want to add my uh, welcome to uh, that of Andrew. Very much hope that you're enjoying the uh, music and readings. I hope too that as we spend a few moments just looking at those words that Annie has just read to us, uh, I hope you won't switch off as we begin to look and talk a bit about death. None of us wants to die, and in fact we'll probably try anything to stop it happening. Some words that Woody Allen said. I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve it through not dying. He also said, uh, I'm not afraid of dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens. I guess that sums up most of us, doesn't it? Death is inevitable. It's been called the ultimate statistic because one out of one of us will die. And since that's the case, the events of the first Easter will matter immensely to each and every one of us here tonight. For they tell us about good news for us all. Good news as we face death, our own death, and death of those we know and love. Good news, yes, about Jesus Christ and his death, and how he died on a day Christians call Good Friday and his resurrection on the third day which we celebrate today. Our final reading began with these words. You may want to follow it. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. They tell us that as we look at these words, we'll be hearing about three things. First, the gospel. Uh, It's a first century word for good news of a victory. Easter is good news. Uh, Second, uh, the gospel is about Christ. Christ isn't a surname. Uh, You wouldn't have found it in the first century Jerusalem telephone book. Christ is a title, meaning the Messiah or God's anointed king. Easter is good news about God's King. And third, the Gospel is about Christ saving people. We'll see tonight that the Easter good news is about Jesus dying and then being raised to life. And Him saving you and me from the horrors of death also. Next weekend, if everything goes according to plan, there'll be good news all over the world as the media focus in on a future king as he gets married. It's going to be broadcast on TV networks throughout the world. It'll be plastered all over our newspapers and magazines. And even the internet will be humming with images of the good news that Prince William has married Kate Middleton. Of course, uh, very few people will have any personal involvement with those events. And they'll, of course, be of little consequence to most of us. By contrast, the good news of Easter is good news for all of us personally. Good news for all of us in the face of death. I just want to give you three reasons tonight why this really is good news for you and for me. And good news to take Seriously, for it is life-changing good news. First, it's the good news of the Christ of history. 
don't think any of us will be uh, in Westminster Abbey next Friday to see and hear the marriage ceremony. But there'll be hundreds of guests as well as the news, uh, the media. And they'll be able to tell us what has happened. They'll be able to show us the details. And of course, their account will be the means by which future generations, those not born today, those too young to remember, can be certain of what happened of that great event about what is history and what is just mere rumour. Tonight we've heard of eyewitness accounts of the first Easter from Matthew and John and Luke. Uh, Luke wasn't there, but he has checked his account with eyewitnesses. He says that right at the beginning of his Gospel. In John's account of Jesus' crucifixion, we learn of all sorts of people who saw what was going on. And not only saw what was going on, but played their part in it. People could have asked Pilate, the Roman governor, who'd handed Jesus over to be crucified. Uh, You could have asked the Jewish religious authorities, the people who had complained about the plaque on Jesus' cross. You could have asked the Jewish people who passed by. You could have asked the soldiers who crucified Jesus, who gambled over his clothes, who pierced him with that spear. You could have asked the family and followers of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister, the two Marys, and others like John who wrote this gospel. John said this, you may remember it, towards the end of his reading. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you, that is you and I, may believe. Uh, All these people saw Jesus die. They could verify the facts. Jesus is the Christ of history. He really did die. Uh, Read on and you'll see the same Jesus is then buried. Pilate releases his body. Joseph of Arimathea buries Jesus in his tomb and his followers and his family see where Jesus is buried and then there are guards who are placed on the entrance to the tomb just to check that he stays dead they all know they are all witnesses people everywhere knew that Jesus had died and was buried and then came the miracle the miracle that many witnessed also The first day of the week, the two Marys went to the tomb. They found the tomb open. They found soldiers in shock. They found an empty tomb. They found angels who told them the truth, that Jesus had risen. And Luke tells us how uh, Jesus later came and met the disciples. At first they thought he was a ghost, and he says, well, you think I'm a ghost? And so he got them to touch him. He even ate food before them. But that was no isolated event. There were others that saw Jesus alive. 500 disciples in one go. Mass hallucination doesn't happen like that. Paul himself met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he says to anyone who doubts, he says, look, check it out. He says towards the end of this reading, he says, look, actually... Verse 6, he says, 
He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living. I.e., go and check it out with them if you don't believe. There were witnesses. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. He is the Christ of history. I suspect that there may well be people here this evening for whom this is news, let alone good news. You've never heard of these things before. Can I encourage you to check them out? For if Jesus was raised from the dead, then not only does that say something about who he is, that he is who he claimed to be, the Christ, not just a mere king, but God's king, God himself. It also tells us that he has the answer to death. He has the answer to yours and my greatest fear. You know, I went to church two and a half thousand times before I realised Jesus was for real. Before I realised he was more than just a myth. Please, don't you make the same mistake. Check out these testimonies that you too may believe the good news of history. That good news is, uh, secondly, good news of the Christ of the Scriptures. Uh, Jesus coming into the world didn't just happen by accident. God didn't just sort of think, oh, I'll just uh, send Jesus into the world. It just seems the right time. Christ's coming was predicted long before he came. At Christmas, we hear the accounts written hundreds of years before Jesus was born of where he was going to be born and how and to what family. It was the same with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. You've heard tonight uh, several writers recording the events of Jesus' crucifixion. It all happened in accordance with the Scriptures to fulfill what had been promised hundreds of years before. And you know, the Scriptures not only said what would happen, but why. They gave us the reason in minute detail uh, you may remember from our penultimate reading in Luke's account of what happened after Jesus had risen. Jesus said these words. He said, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. That to you and me is the whole of the Old Testament. And that news is that the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. It's all in the script. It's all there. The Old Testament tells us that Christ would die and how he would die. Matthew, Luke and John all say it again, time and again, that the crucifixion and what happened as Jesus was nailed to that cross was to fulfill scripture. Some of the things that were fulfilling scripture were the things that Jesus did. But other things also fulfilled scripture. Things that Jesus had no control over at all. The nailing of his hands and feet to a cross. The gambling over his clothes. His thirst and somebody running with that stick and a sponge. And the piercing of Jesus' side instead of the breaking of his legs. And the reason why? Well, it was so clearly explained in our first reading from Isaiah. Isaiah said this, 600 years before Jesus was crucified, he said, he was pierced for our transgressions. 
He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace, peace with God, was laid upon him. And by his wounds, by his death, we are healed. That, you see, is why when Jesus met his disciples, he said, peace be with you. Peace had been achieved. Peace was promised, and there it was. But why do we need healing or saving? Isaiah tells us that also. He says it's because like naughty sheep, we've all gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. We are all in the Bible's word, sinners. All of us, from time to time, ignore God and run our lives our way. It's tempting sometimes to think that uh, it's just the drug dealers or the murderers or the fraudsters who are the sinners. But the truth is, we all are. None of us loves God with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength and all our soul. None of us loves our neighbours as ourselves. And the problem is that God will call us to account for our sin. And he does that when we die. That is why death is so awful. That is why we need to fear death. But you see, the scriptures tell us that hundreds of years before Jesus came, that he, the Christ, was God's rescue plan. God graciously promised and then carried out a staggering plan of rescue. He sent his son from heaven into the world. He lived among us, but he did not live like us. He never rebelled against God his Father. And yet he went to the cross, just as we've been singing, innocent of any crime. He died according to the scriptures. He endured God's wrath upon the cross. So we need not. He endured hell, so you and I need not go there. That is the amazing truth, the good news at the heart of Easter, of the Christ of Scripture, his death for our life. The one who's been wrong comes into the world and pays the penalty. That is an amazing gift, isn't it? We don't deserve it so that when we face him as our judge, he need not give us the guilty verdict, but instead say, actually, the price has been paid. The sentence we deserve is sentenced to hell. But in and through Christ, having Christ as our saviour and rescuer, we receive heaven instead. The resurrection too was predicted in the scriptures. Jesus was raised and that was the proof that, that God had accepted his death in our place. Uh, all of us have exams from time to time. I normally look up there to see the uh, students, but there are a, a number of people who are well over student age up in the balcony tonight. But uh, students just as uh, pupils at school, and adults too in their professional lives, from time to time we have to take exams. And uh, we go into the exam room, and we work away, we do our best, and then we have to wait for the results. And only when we get to results day do we know that we have made the grade or not. If we passed, there is great celebration. Well, the first Easter day was results day for Jesus. 
The fact that Jesus was raised proved he was the Christ, proved he had satisfied God's God's wrath. That when he died on the cross, he had indeed paid the price for sin. If he had not, he could not have been raised. So Jesus is the Christ of the Scriptures. He came to die. He was raised in accordance with the Scriptures. It's all in the script. It's all in the script. And you've got it in your hands if you've got a Bible open in front of you. His death for our life. Well, finally, good news of the Christ of personal experience. That all happened a long time ago. But let me just read to you the opening verses of that final reading and the final one again. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. And he goes on to talk about others who have preached the same message. And finally, verse 11, whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach and this is what we believed. The same message, not changed, not a different message from one person as from another. The same message. And these verses also tell us that the events of that first Easter are not just some abstract truth we can take or leave as we feel like it tonight. They have utmost importance to each of us. They are good news of God's victory for you and for me. They need a response. They need to be acted on. Those first Christians, we were told, heard the good news when it was preached and they responded by receiving it, accepting it and believing it and then holding on to it. They held on to its truth and reality. But more than that, they came face to face with the living Lord Jesus. A relationship of reality. Personal experience. The good news about Jesus needs to be received. We need to make an individual response just like them. The reality is seen that I've seen as a minister is that far too often people hear about the good news of Easter, but they make no response to Jesus. The fact is that Jesus is alive. He is the living Christ who reigns in heaven now. He is the living Christ who longs to be your saviour. He longs to know us personally. And I want to ask you this evening, Do you know the joy of a personal relationship with him? Have you personally responded to him? Jesus' offer is open to anyone. Paul Free admitted he was one who persecuted Christ and persecuted his followers. And yet he too came to know a personal experience of him. Knowing the joy of forgiveness of sin, of being set right with God being his friend. The joy of an eternal relationship with God, not just now in this life, but eternity. And the joy of, and prospect of a bodily resurrection and eternity in heaven. All that 
is given to us. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It is all given by God. That's what Paul says very clearly. It's by grace. A gift. All this can be yours too in Jesus. But you need to respond to him. You need to act on his gift and receive him. Four years and 360 days after Ali and I got married, uh, we were looking through our wedding cards and we came across a sealed envelope. Uh, Rather surprised, we opened it up and we found that it was a wedding present, a £30 voucher, which needed to be used within five years. We had five days left. Uh, Not surprisingly, uh, we went straight out and used it. We acted on the gift. We responded and we received the benefits that the gift had been given to us for. And of course, we rushed off very hastily. Uh, In fact, we didn't. We actually phoned through and said, we're very sorry. You gave us this gift for nearly five years ago and we've just found it. Well, maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you have just found the truth of Easter. The good news of Christ Jesus. It needs to be responded before it's too late, before you and I die. We don't know how long that's going to be. Only this last week, two members of our church family have died. It is an awful time for the family, and yet it is also a time of great hope. For those two gentlemen were believers in Christ. They had received him Have you believed and received him? Are you experiencing him today? may well be that, uh, well I know that there will be many of us here today who have been living in that relationship, not just today, but for days, weeks and years and decades. That today, just as on other days, you have read the scriptures at home. You have come face to face yet again with Jesus. And tonight, as you've heard the scriptures read again, You've been brought face to face with him. And you have rejoiced to hear the good news yet again. To those of us who are already enjoying that personal relationship, can I say, hold on. Stand firm. Otherwise you have believed in vain. Keep on going through to the end. There will be others of us here today who, well, you've begun to see the Christ of history the Christ of the Scriptures, but you've never, until tonight, understood that you need to make that personal response or you've never made that personal response. Easter 2011 would be a great day to do it, wouldn't it? To receive Christ as your Saviour, to begin to experience Him personally as He longs for you to do so. So that uh, when you meet Him as judge, you'll meet Him as your Saviour And he will be able to say to you, I paid the price. Come on in. It's the best news in the world. And it's waiting for you to respond. Can I say, if that's you tonight, please don't put it off. You know what Jesus is offering you. It's a rescue that you and I most desperately need because we cannot stave off death. 
However many multivitamins you may take, however high your uh, private insurance, private medical insurance is, you cannot stave off that day. Easter is about life instead of death, heaven, not hell. Please act now before it's too late. How awful it would be not to have received Jesus and to face him as your judge. In a moment, I'm going to pray a simple short prayer of response, a way of saying to Jesus that you want to act, that you would like him as your Lord and Saviour. For some people, it'll be a chance to do that for the first time, to respond to him and say, yes, I see who you are, the Christ of the Scriptures. I want to start a relationship with you. I I know what you've done for me, and I want to start over with you. For others of you, it's perhaps you've been already living some sort of life with Christ, but you've been hedging your bets, and tonight you need to ink it in. Well, maybe for you, tonight is the right day. Indeed, it is the right day to do just that. And then for others of us who have been already walking with Christ for many years, you may just want to pray this prayer in your heart to say, I'm holding on to you, Jesus. I'm keeping going. Let me just read the prayer to you so that you know in advance what I'm going to pray. And then in a moment I'll pray it a second time slowly so that you can echo it in your own heart. This is how it'll go. Jesus, I recognise that you are God's Son and God's King. I know that I haven't lived with you as my King. I know that I don't deserve a place in your eternal kingdom. Thank you for dying on the cross to take the punishment I deserve. Thank you for rising again to give me new life. Please forgive me and give me a fresh start with God. From now on, please help me to live in your world with you as my ruler. Amen. Well, let's just take a moment of quiet, shall we? Consider whether we're going to pray that prayer for the first time or by way of recommitment. Let us pray. Jesus, I recognize that you are God's Son. And you are also God's King. I know that I haven't lived with you as my King. I know I don't deserve a place in your eternal kingdom. Thank you for dying on the cross to take the punishment. I deserve. Thank you for rising again to give me new life. Please forgive me and give me a fresh start with God. From now on, Please help me 
to live in your world with you as my ruler. Amen. Well, if you uh, prayed that prayer tonight for the first time, or perhaps you inked in your commitment to Christ, uh, today's a great day. Easter Day is the greatest day of your life. It is the beginning of an eternal relationship with Christ. You remember that song we sang just now, which sounded a bit like a rock concert. I hope you notice, those of you that are perhaps guests here, how young and old were joining in in that. Because it is a happy day. And we are never the same. We are changed forever when we start out with Christ. Please do come and see me on the door. I'd love to give you one of these booklets. It's called The Real Easter. Uh, And if you happen to go out that door, then do see Andrew and ask him for one of these. We'd love to talk to you and help you to know how to start a relationship with Christ.